Silas, we need to finish our conversation about my father and Nabal. If you shot Nabal in the head, how come he is not dead? He's a Spartan, my love. The first of the night Spartans. His power, strength, and abilities are incredible to fathom. But as far as I know, Nabal has been away on special missions. If you want me to question him, I will. (laughs) You really think I'm that dumb? I want to know if you ordered him to kill my father. No, I did not order him to kill your father. For all I know, your father got mixed up with the wrong people. Tell me, where is the proof that Nabal killed your father, huh? Where did you get the idea that Nabal had anything to do with Luther? Someone told me. Who told you, huh? I'm ashamed to say, Asilas. If I'm to be accused of ordering the death of my mentor, my father-in-law, the man I owe everything to, my son's grandfather, then tell me who accuses me of it. I was visited by someone, and that someone told me about Nabal. I came to the conclusion you ordered the assassination of my father. And the name of this mysterious visitor is... Look, Asilas, maybe you're right, and I should never have looked into such matters. I should have just stayed focused on certain things and not go off task. So let's just move on. Oh no, not so fast, my queen. Now I want to know who told you Nabal killed your father. Beals. He came to me in a dream. I saw my father. I cried, Asilas. And he told me the truth. The truth that no one else in this whole kingdom would or could tell me. My father was murdered, and no one wants me to know why. It's not right. So the good old devil himself came to you and offered you the truth. The deceiver of man, the father of lies. This is your source of truth? Jeez. My love, come here. I love you so much. I would never touch your father to hurt him. I loved him and I miss him every day. I regret not keeping him close to me. But none of my sentiments will bring him back, nor make things any easier. But like you said, my darling queen, let's move on. New Kingdom Radio Theater. From the earliest British settlements on the shores of Virginia to the treacherous swamps of Louisiana and the isolated mountains of Appalachia, the American South has a rich history filled with eerie legends and mysterious hauntings. Join me, Brandon Schecksnyder, as I journey into its underbelly Exploring these tales of loss and heartbreak, tortured souls and spirits of the past, documenting ghost stories and legends amidst rich soundscapes and an eerie original soundtrack that can only be found on my podcast, Southern Gothic. I'm B. I'm Cece. And this is Murder City, True True Crime Crime of Houston, Houston, Texas. 
Slow down and take a trip through H-Town. Discover the dirtier side of the Bayou City as we discuss Houston's homicides and search for answers to unsolved murders and missing persons of our community. Lean back and keep it true with Murder City. Find us at MurderCityPod.com and on Twitter and Instagram at MurderCityPod. Houston is out. Lord Orey returned from the Antarctica survey with a troubling report. He told the Silas the main interior of the continent was beaming with activity. Orey said there were war machines unlike anything seen before on Earth, assembling just beneath the icy surface. Isilas ordered him and everyone on the High Council to prepare for war with the Drax on a scale never before experienced in human history. The Spartans were ordered to assemble on two sites, South America in Argentina and the tip of South Africa. They assembled along with compiled armies from the Western Hemisphere and Europe. Isilas knew the Trishul would be useless against the Drax and instructed the Spartans to begin using special training tactics that included the ability to levitate and to lever, something few humans could do. Isilas and Oreb revealed a secret machine of their own, the snow tank which was under development for years, further proving the invasion of the ice continent had been planned longer than anyone could have imagined. But while America's most ambitious military campaign was coming to fruition, those close to the king began to notice Asilus's wandering attention. Since the blueprint for the war effort was already in place, there was merely the preparations that needed to be completed. In the interim, Asilas began to reveal a little of what he experienced in the desert to his closest confidants, including Dr. Ezekiel. His revelations may have been extraordinary, but no one knew the profound ramifications of Asilas's enlightenment. Sir, in our last session, you told me very little about your experiences in the desert. Uh, perhaps today you'll be more at ease to talk about some of the things you saw? I told you I had some visions, but now I believe they were not visions. They were real experiences. Forgive me, sir, but you went 40 days without eating any food whatsoever. Do you think it's possible you hallucinated a bit while you were in the hot sun and starving? No, I don't think so. My most memorable experiences happened at night. And by the way, deserts are very cold at night. Much colder than I ever anticipated. Of this I am aware. I used to go camping in Arizona as a young man for weeks at a time. 
I want to tell you about the Shadow Woman. Shadow Woman, sir. Describe her to me. Well, she wore a long, dark robe. When she removed her robe, I saw she was voluptuous but bald. She had very pale skin and gray lips. Kind of like an android from a classic sci-fi movie. This uh, Shadow Woman, did she tell you her name? No, I don't think she was actually a human. She was a spirit. And speaking of spirits, I met some Navajo spirits. They spoke to me in a language I did not understand, but somehow I could interpret their meaning. Sir, uh, let's, let's stay on the Shadow Woman for now, and we'll come back to the old Navajos. I see. <laughs> you want details on the voluptuous android woman, <laughs> you dirty old man. Forgive me, Your Majesty. That isn't it, honestly. I, uh... Just noticed in our last session you found it difficult to stay on one topic for very long. Have you been having trouble focusing? Not at all. I'm very focused, Dr. Ezekiel. Now, about the Shadow Woman. (laughs) She wanted me to worship her, and in return she would help me save humanity. But she... Let's just say she evaporated. But now the Navajos, boy, (laughs) they were some intense men, let me tell you. Sir... Uh, eh, uh, look, how about I write some notes down and play some relaxing music, and you can sleep like you normally do around this time. When you wake up, if you feel like talking more about these people you met in the desert, we can, uh, uh, sir? Uh, I've never known a person to fall asleep as quickly as the king does. My goodness. America's number one source for news with Tom Novak. Good evening, America. Today, the world comes together to pay respects to the head of the Catholic Church, Pope Pius XIV. The Pope died in his sleep last week, and his successor has not been named yet, as the conclave will commence upon the conclusion of the nine-day funeral to vote on a new Holy See. The Camerlengo released a statement that reads, and I quote, The Holy Father is in eternal rest now, but the work of the Church continues, as in the days of St. Peter. Our world has surpassed the point of crisis, and it was the wish of Pope Pius XIV to plead with the people of the world to show each other love and grace and forego the urge to harm others, end quote. The world has been reacting to the passing of Pope Pius XIV, who had many critics, but also many devoted followers all over the world. On social media, there have been mixed reactions. Rabbi Rashi, who has appeared on this show, released a statement saying, and I quote, The world has lost a champion of the poor and leaves a massive void in a most tumultuous time. Although we had some theological disagreements, I loved and respected the man for his devotion to promoting goodness when so much hatred ran unabated for so long, end quote. In studio, we have a special guest, Lord Mark Desta of the House of Morale. Lord Desta, 
Thank you for joining us this evening. With so much tension now in the world, it it seems every day we're at a new edge where things are not ever going to be the same. What does the death of Pope Pius XIV at this moment in our world's history mean? Thank you for having me, Tom. Wonderful show. Pope Pius's death couldn't come at a worse time, in my opinion, because America is clearly in a war with entities of the worst kind, something this world has never known. As human beings of all races and creeds, a spiritual leader such as the Pope is a beacon of hope for countless people everywhere, including myself. It's a devastating loss. King Silas is a practicing Catholic. How has this loss affected him? Well, I believe the King's statement was brief in part because the Pope's death happened right as he was returning to the kingdom from his excursion. So I think as it starts to sink in that the head of his personal religion has left us, I can't see it not affecting him. We're all saddened by his passing, to be honest. But if anything, the king will probably be emboldened to fight harder against the enemies of man. Lord Desta, it was widely believed that Pope Pius did not like King Asylus, and at one point referred to him as an abominable tyrant. Was the king able to have a good relationship with the pope? even after all the public criticism? Look, throughout history it is well documented that Papal See and kingships have quarreled in this political arena. That's nothing new. I believe since we haven't really seen that in modern times that it appears rather atypical, when in fact it's par for the course. Anytime you have two powerful men vying for influence over the masses, there's going to be friction. But at the end of the day... Pope Pius and King Asylus understood each other and didn't find it necessary to lock horns all the time. There was a lot agreed on, but it isn't generally public knowledge. One final question, Lord Desta. Do you think the new Pope, whoever that is to be, will be able to exist in a world run by King Asylus? No Pope or religious institution has ever had to contend with such a consolidated power structure as a new kingdom of America. Do you think King Asylus will allow the new pope to have the kind of influence the church has had for countless centuries? That's a very good question, Tom. A loaded question, really. I think the Catholic Church should thank their lucky star, King Asylus, is Catholic first and foremost, and secondly, that his intentions have never been about personal power or wealth honestly the most remarkable man on earth because his sole reason for doing what he's doing is to free humanity from the evil masters none of us knew existed until recently. Lord Desta, thank you so much for speaking with us so frankly about Pope Pius and matters of great importance. You're welcome to Your Majesty, you are looking healthier every day. I must admit, I wasn't fond of the beard. I watched your interview with that robot, Tom Novak. I'm wondering when people are going to realize he's merely a programmed android. Sir, Tom Novak is a journalist, and also a patriot. But he cannot allow his personal feelings or opinions to steer him from reporting the facts. 
You do remember the days when all people ever did on the news was voice their opinions. Such whiners. At least Novak sticks to the facts, even if he is uncomfortable with them. Because it's never about him. I suppose you're right, Lord Desta. You went on TV and told the world what they needed to hear, as always. I can only thank you for being so good at it, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Thank you, Your Majesty. Since we're on the subject, what will you do about the new Pope? My contacts at the Vatican have been mum about who the next Pope will be. Probably because they honestly don't know. But there are some notable candidates that are likely to be in the run. It may not matter in the long run, but find all their families and ready some special ops people, lower level personnel, to sit on them until the announcement. And when they announce the new Pope? We'll take his family into custody. If the new Pope will not help us in our fight, then he, like the last Pope, is our enemy as well. Lord Desta, dealing with the new Pope is a small matter, you see. We have to fight the biggest, most challenging fight mankind has ever known. We cannot be bothered with the meek right now. Your Majesty, I'm happy to report Lord Shelley has requested to be reinstated for duty. Has she passed all her tests? Yes, Your Majesty. She is physically fit to perform her duties once again. We fitted her with mechanical prosthetic fingers on both her hands. They seem to function as well as we had hoped. Lord Roberts, what about psychologically? In your opinion, is she ready to be a commander in a massive war effort? In my opinion, sir... It is difficult to tell when anyone is psychologically ready for such a task. But if I had to wager my life on her abilities to lead, I would feel comfortable with her leadership. Let me speak to her myself before I clear her for duty. Is she in the same facility? Yes, Your Majesty. She has completed her physical therapy for the day. Lord Shelley, I'm so glad you are all better now. Lord Roberts just gave me the good news. Your Majesty, I'm anxious to get caught up with everything. I want to be back on the council and back on the battlefield. I know you're readying everyone for Antarctica. And sir, I think I know how we can beat them. I am just as anxious as you are to get you back into the swing of things. Let me see your hands. This is amazing. How do they feel? A little weird, but I can hold a gun and fire with the same quickness as before. My aim is still sharp, and I've built back all of my strength. I've missed you, Lord Shelley. I think of you a lot. I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help it. <laughs> you make me blush. Sir, I want you to know my marriage has ended. During my time in the hospital, I found out she... she was... You don't have to say, Lord Shelley. I know, I heard. But you will bounce back. And besides, you are so strong, so courageous, and so... Yeah, and so incredibly irresistible. It's your scent. 
God, you smell so incredibly unique. I wish I knew what it was, but I just can't resist you. Forgive me, sir. I know I shouldn't do it, but just like you can't help yourself, I can't either. What are we going to do? We are going to use our passion to work out a strategy. I want to hear all about your ideas and how we can defeat the Drax. Our military forces are readying themselves and training with the Spartans. Lord Shelley, I want you to harness the pain and fury those monsters instilled in you. Not for vengeance, but for victory. Don't obsess over getting back at them. Obsess over readiness of them. Victory at all costs. Uh, I understand, Your Majesty. My only wish is to help humanity be free of those reptiles. That's why I came up with something so unconventional. I hope you will keep an open mind, sir. But for the record, they may have mutilated my body, but they never touched my conscience or my intellect. They, in fact, made me stronger, and I can't wait to face them again. Shame right like a diamond. Shame right like a diamond. Fine light in the beautiful sea. I chose to be happy. You and I, you and I. We're like diamonds in the sky. You're a shooting star, I see. A vision of ecstasy. When you hold me, I'm alive. We're like diamonds in the sky. To the universe as we moonshine and my lead. Feel the warmth will never die. We're like diamonds in the sky. You're a shooting star, I see. A vision of ecstasy. When you hold me, I'm alive. We're like diamonds in the sky. At first sight, I felt the energy of surrender. I saw the life inside of so I too, I, 
like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Lord Shelley returned to the High Council and proposed our ideas to help in the war effort to defeat the menacing Drax army. The new Kingdom of America had gone full throttle in preparing for a military showdown in Antarctica. With literally millions of soldiers and 100,000 Spartans, America was positioning itself for the greatest battle the world had ever seen. The Chinese had already replaced the monster group in a secret alliance with the Drax, and President Wei devised a plan to betray Osiris. The Chinese planned to assassinate the king along with members of the High Council before their planned attack on Antarctica. However, Asilas was too paranoid to let someone outside of his inner circle ever get close to him. And with shapeshifters infiltrating more and more of America's arms of government, the king imposed a screening system that could detect shapeshifters. In one instance, someone thought to be a royal guard entered the Grand Castle and mistakenly shot one of Asilas' body doubles. The shapeshifter was captured, and it was discovered he arrived using Chinese documents. From that point on, it was impossible for anyone to have access to Asilas, and the mission to Antarctica proceeded without mentioning any suspicions of the Chinese government. The world watched and braced themselves for an onslaught of violence and destruction on a scale no one could have fathomed in their worst nightmare. you have the same tendency to underestimate Silas. Perhaps you cannot catch a king because you do not think like one. Your Highness, please forgive our failure in taking out Silas. We were very close. A body double is hardly close, President Wei. Close would be shooting him in the stomach or grazing his skull. Close would be chopping off his arms. Failure is not something you tolerate. So why should I? It is true. We cannot afford to fail. But, Your Highness, soon America will be coming here to face your army. And my armies will have to be fighting against yours in order to appear as allies. I hope this will not strain our arrangement. Our arrangement can change at any time. Perhaps allow your forces to become reinforcements for the American alliance. 
and when they start making advances during the battle, your forces can attack them from the rear. And they'll be surrounded. Does this make sense to you, Mr. President? It would certainly be to our advantage. I will do as you command, Your Highness. Good. Remember, no matter what the king says, offer your armies as reinforcements. Is that understood? It is perfectly understood, Your Highness. Then let them bring their warm army. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to The Rise of King of Silas, Episode 29, Truth and Betrayal, starring J.V. Torres as King of Silas, Meg McDonald as Queen Rebecca, Shane Maester as Lord Anna Patricia Shelley, Jeff Ellis as Dr. Ezekiel, Angelie Fitch as Lord Tracy Roberts, Phil Usher as Lord Mark Desta, Puneet Riyat as Lemuria, Alexander Yang as President Wei, Don Rosinski as newsreader Tom Novak, and narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. This episode features the song Diamonds by Value of Life. Download the music of Value of Life on Bandcamp.com. Other contributions by Sergei Cheremisinov, Aaron Kenny, Joachim Karud, Raphael Crux, freesound.org and audio jungle for more information about the cast the music or this production please visit us at www.theriseofkingasilas.com and now a word from our podcast friends hi i'm ben the host of dark history's podcast every other week i turn my eye towards the fringe and unsolved aspects of our history in each episode i dig deep to bring you tales from large cultural events to smaller localised legends, from Victorian poisonings to cults, and from the unknown to the simply unexplainable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all other platforms, or head directly to darkhistories.com. I hope you'll come join me soon to delve into the underbelly of the strange. This has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theatre in Baltimore, Maryland. Copyright 2019. And stay tuned for our Season 2 finale, Episode 30.